Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody, on this Memorial Day Monday. And thank you to all of those military that served for our country. And I, we, we need to recognize and appreciate the efforts of everyone that served in the military. Now, today, my guest is Florence Bracey, and she is the author of Help Me Understand My Child, A Mother's Truth About Autism. And I want to welcome you to the show, Florence. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to telling everybody about this. I am too. And it's really interesting. People often ask me, how how do you get your guests? And I just want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Barry, who grew up here in the Westchester community, has been on my show, has written his own books, and he introduced me to you. And and that's how we, we got started. So I thought I'd let our listeners know just a little bit about the fact that you have a passion for supporting the voiceless children, and you've been advocating for 19 years for your 27-year-old son, Brad, who has autism, and also for the other families with children who have special needs. Your unyielding commitment to this cause for all children with no voice has led to those being heard. And Florence, you also facilitate an autism group for families and caregivers, and those are some of the things here in the Los Angeles area. And those are some of the things that we'll be talking about on this very special show today. And I thought maybe a great way to get started, I said a little bit about yourself, uh, but I think it's always nice when my guests do their own introductions. So I would love Mm -hmm. for you to share just a little bit about yourself with the listeners. Sure. I grew up in Pasadena, California, and went away to school to Oregon, Forest Grove, Oregon, where I majored in speech communications and came back and started a career in the corporate arena. I was in sales and marketing, grant writing, and um, program management. And presently, I'm a paralegal for domestic violence, so I write all day long. (laughs) You're also in front of the computer just like me, aren't you? Yes, yes, all day. And during that time, I was raising my son, um, who who has autism. Okay, well let's let's talk about Brad, and because this really is a story about Brad, it's a story about you, it's a story about autism, and Mm -hmm. it turns out that I in in getting to know you, Florence, prior to you coming on the show, um, I think another connection through Barry is the fact that um, your son went to the same high school that I went to, Westchester High School, and both of my children. And we'll be talking about Brad's story. So let's, I think it's, 
I think it's really important when, when my shows get started, especially when they're on specific topics, to use the glossary and determine for anyone that may not know, what is the definition of autism? Autism is a developmental disability that affects cognition, communication, behavior, and socialization, and it's on a spectrum. So you have children or adults that are very high-functioning and with, I call them gaps in cognition, and then there's very low-functioning children that might have problems in communication, maybe have severe behavior problems or socialization pro- problems where they can't really really socialize with people or they're shy. So it, it comes in a long range of abilities. And that's where it's, it's such an it's such a um, disorder that it's hard for people to pin down sometimes exactly what it is. Well, that's a good start, and um, I think that that, and we're going to be talking about the spectrum and, and the things that you just said, but I thought what we could do is let's let's start out getting to know your son, Brad. So how old, mm-hmm. how old was he, and how did you learn that he had autism? What is the story behind that? Right. He was diagnosed with autism at age eight. Brad could speak. He could do, he was doing well in school as far as simple math, uh, reading, he could read. But I did notice when he was around five that when I would ask him questions for details, uh, he couldn't answer. He would say, I don't know. And, and, and I also noticed that there was a, just a hesitation when, in answering me, so I thought maybe he didn't hear me. So I had his hearing tested at that time, and the pediatrician said he didn't have a hearing problem. So I figured he was okay. He was just different. But I didn't, I didn't really think there was anything more than that. It was when he was in third grade that it was third grade when he was getting academic work that was more critical thinking in third grade, you're getting more multi-step math problems and how to um, how to think about the end of a story. So these are these are some things. So by the time he was third grade, around December of third grade, things started. I was running into problems, and things stopped because he couldn't he couldn't um, do the work. He was getting frustrated. He was having um, tantrums, behavior problems. And around April is when the school said they needed to test him. And I agreed at that point that it was a problem. And But I didn't know exactly what it was. So, you know, so that's really interesting to- what you've t- I, I don't, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I want to clarify something, and, and please, I, I do apologize for interrupting. But when you mentioned that that, that that time in April where it was suggested that he was tested, I don't think that I really understood that there is testing that um, determines this disability. So there's a battery of tests that you would go through at that age? All right. 
Yeah. I see. Yeah. So they, they took a psychological test. And first we met, it's called SST meeting with the schools. And that's concerned individuals at the school, the teacher, administration, counselors, psychologists. And we're a team. And I agreed to have him tested, and they did. They came up with that he could possibly have autism. And I was just shocked. I just fell off my chair. I said, you've got to be out of your mind. From there, I went forward and had him tested at UCLA. And it took about three months for me to get an appointment at that time. And they, too, verified that there was autism. So that's when all the work started. <laughs> now no that kidding. I knew there was you know. a problem. Yeah, right. now that I knew there was a problem so I could move forward from there. I'm sure that's true because now you have mm-hmm. something that's been identified. And and now, like you said, um, you could move forward there's a there's there's a I I have had some shows about autism and I I have friends that have um, children that are autistic that are um, around the same age as Brad actually um, and mm-hmm. I have found that and I'm and maybe this is a fallacy on my part so maybe you could just tell me everyone that I know that has someone in their family with autism is is a male. Is it is autism more frequently in males than females? Right. Yes. It's yes. It's it's high. It's one of those SD, The CDC right now quotes there's one in fifty nine children, and of those fifty nine, um, forty six are are male. So that's the rate right now. It's the fastest growing developmental disability in the world. There are 3.5 million Americans who have autism. In L.A. County, it's about 100,000. No kidding. And mm-hmm. is it, because I, you know what, I, I don't know, so if I don't know, I, I'm not embarrassed to ask, is this genetic? What, what, I don't, do, they, do they know the root? Well, of- right. The hypothesis is that from different, there's different reasons why. Some say it's the genetically engineered foods. Some say it's genetic and that it might skip a generation. Um, some might think that it's from the vaccines. Some say it's because of older parents. Me, myself, I was an older parent. I was 37 when I had Brad. My husband was 46. So it, it varies. No one knows. There's do, they're doing a lot of genetic testing right now at UCLA and at the UC um, the Mind Institute at UC Davis. So they're trying to figure out what is the cause. That's interesting. Genet- genetically really engineered foods. Yeah, they 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 think that it's um, it's affecting our genes some kind of way. And very that's very interesting. And you know, when you mentioned the um inoculations, now that I think about that, um, it, it takes me back to what was very newsworthy several years ago. Was it 
and I so you'll correct me if I have my memory wrong. Is that Jenny McCarthy was was she somebody right. that was a not- is that well, that was that was about autism and and immunization. Her son, Do I have that yeah, right? Her son. Now I don't know what her her theory was, but her her yeah, son has autism, and my um, what I've heard is that she says he doesn't have it anymore. So I I don't know exactly what his his was the root from. Because you don't outgrow autism. Am I right about that? Well, you get better. And that's my quote, oh. is our children do get better. Because oh. when when Brad when Brad uh, was first diagnosed, he was re- very uncoordinated. And speech-wise, he was a little garbled, but, you know, clear enough. But now he's he's in kickboxing and Zumba, and he tap dances. He's been tap dancing about eight years now, so he's 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 coordinated. But that was with the help of a lot of therapies, a lot of speech over the years. He had speech four days a week, and it was wow. not so much articulation, but idioms like understanding, you know, the frog in the throat or some some um, ways that we speak, he didn't really understand what that meant. And just just with practice, it gets better. It gets better. Mm-hmm. And our children do get better. Some have major wow. behavior problems. And with um, ABA, they call it um, behavior um, therapy, they do get better. Some I have to have really some parents I run a support group. Yeah, I run a support group where we have parents of children and autism uh, adults with autism, and some have very severe behavior problems where they can't take them in public. Uh, they can't take them to a restaurant because they don't understand. Like I said, it affects cognition as well. So they can't bring them out. So you have the severe as well as the high functioning. And it's just on this this spectrum that um, it's it's just hard to understand sometimes. Sure. You, you, here you are. I believe you already had a, a child. You're, you're, you have a daughter as well. Is that right? Right, my older um, my older child is is a girl, and she's thirty four. Uh-huh. She's a teacher, and I have and she's oh. married. She has two children. Yeah, I have a okay. uh, six and four year old grandchildren. Wow, but she's nice. Fine. That's good. Yeah. But this must have been I don't know. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but how, I mean, how did you feel when? When you recognize that this was a condition that Brad, not I mean, this wasn't just a condition that affects Brad. This is a this is a condition right. that affects an entire family. Were you frightened? Right, I was upset. I was a parent of children with special needs. Just I'm just going to say across the board, special needs, as we go through mm-hmm. a grieving process, just like someone experienced a death. And 
I didn't really know that's what it was. I learned years later that we go through the same steps as someone who has lost a family member because that our vision of this healthy, happy baby or this healthy, happy young child to grow up to be an able-bodied adult is, is not there any longer. We have visions of him going away to school or doing things that an able adult would do, and those dreams and those visions aren't there anymore. So we have to change. We have to adjust. And it's it's a grieving process. And we don't always, you know, go through the process smoothly. We might, you know, be hopeful and then get pushed back to the to the very first step and be depressed. But I love our parents, and that's why I decided uh, I, I went to a support group on the on the west side, and there was nothing in the city here. And four years ago, I started a support group for adults. And for parents of adults and children with autism, we've been running four years now. So I bring uh, guest speakers in, and they speak about different topics as it relates to autism. Great. We'll talk. We'll talk. Mm-hmm. A, I would like mm-hmm. to talk a little bit more about that as well as we as we move through the show. But I think since we have been speaking about um, Brad directly, and we've used the term. Um, um, Spectrum disorder. In fact, people will see the initials ASD, autism spectrum disorder. It's it's a common uh, acronym. Where does where was Brad? Where does Brad sit on that spectrum? Because I know there are lots of different. I know that there there are names like Aspergers. You know, you that's that's a familiar right. sound to me. Um, where where right. does Brad sit on that spectrum? Brad's high. I would say he's high functioning with a lot of gaps. <laughs> okay. Okay. It wasn't until three years ago, just to give you an example. There was it was he's he's he can hold a conver- conversation like a cordial conversation, and it wasn't until about three years ago that we actually left him alone for three days, from Friday to Sunday afternoon. And that's with my daughter checking in on him, and I have food prepared that he can microwave. He doesn't cook on the on the stove without my supervision. And I've left something on the stove, and I said, "Let me. I'm just going to run outside to the car for a second, and can you watch this or make sure nothing happens or turn it off?" And so when I come back in the house this one particular time, the whole kitchen was full of smoke. So, like I said, there's gaps, but there's a lot of abilities. <laughs> and, right? yeah, so there's different things. Um, some people have problems with, you know, their child, their adult child crossing the street. You know, I don't have that problem. He walks in the neighborhood. He walks our dog. But there's hmm. some other common sense things. You know, like chemicals, I wouldn't have him clean the bathroom with different kinds of chemicals. You know, I have to supervise all that that's fascinating that i mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. what what and for what is it because of the the pollutants in conversation well yeah you know how you you uh yeah you know some chemicals you don't bleach combine yes 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's interesting. That, yeah, that's you know that's what I've experienced with my with my son, but with other parents, I hear so many other different things. You know, it's like some some parents are having problems with their child coming out of the bedroom or coming out of the house. They have no interest in socialization. I don't have a problem with Brad. Let's go. He jumps in the car and we go. So yeah. it varies. I have, yeah, I have one, just different problems that different parents have in my group. I have one mother. She has a daughter who's 20, and she's low-functioning, and she's actually making some decisions right now on sterilization. Because she knows that her daughter's going to outlive her, and if she put, you know, if she's put in a position where someone takes advantage of her, she just wants to make sure she's protected. So we have, to, as parents, we have to think about different kinds of safety issues. We try to have uh, training for Brad uh, on the bus, taking the bus, but he got lost a couple times, and you know. That just is we're we're very nervous about those kinds of things. You um, know, just little things about you know. Mm-hmm. Well, like you just like you were about to say when I once again interrupted you, just the little things that 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 we would take for granted that uh, that maybe you just can't. You have to be so cognizant of of his right. surroundings and his and his safety. And his comfort exactly, and 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 that and that makes complete sense to me. So you mentioned that it was pretty tough, you know, getting these kinds of support. So how hard is it to secure services for? Well, those, let me share um, with you. Yeah, for those yes. that don't know this, it's very hard to get services because you have to fight for them. It's not like going to the hospital and they just pretty much give you what you need. When you're, um, first of all, let me back up just a minute. The services are provided by two different um, providers. One is the school district from age three on, and the other is the regional center. The schools provide services for the academic, your academic needs for your son, behavior, um, some behavior, some counseling, some speech, where the regional centers, there are 21 regional centers throughout the state of California, and they're a nonprofits that are state-funded. They provide services for socialization, quote-unquote socialization. So any kind of social programs, some ABA programs, but ABA is being if you have medical insurance, that's being taken care of through your medical insurance. Some speech, if um, the school district that you're in can't um, provide that speech for you. And Brad goes to a work program. So when you become an adult, there's different kinds of programs. There's work programs. There's peers that go, coach, they call them coaches that go with you on jobs to teach you how to do your job and then they slowly wean off of you. There's driving lessons the regional center will pay for. 
So there's an array of uh, different services that the regional center will pay for, but the schools are responsible for the academic piece. That means a one-on-one, which Brad had for from third grade through 12th grade, and that's a person that shadowed him in the classroom that's with, with support. And I myself, there's two different ways, well, three different ways you could have a parent advocate attend meetings with you. It's called IEP, Individual Education right. Plan. And you could have a parent advocate, an advocate, or an attorney. So those are the different um, supports that you could take into that meeting, and I recommend anyone that has to go to an IEP to bring someone with you, even if it's a friend. The schools are very quick to say no to requests that you have, and you need to have someone there to support you that know the law. That's it's a, really it's under federal disability law. IDA is the document that um, supports the services that our children need. So let me clarify something because we, we, we're both in California and you sure. know people listen across the country. I know a little bit about mm-hmm. IEP. I was very active in the schools. Uh, I wanted to go back. So from from the school district, whether you're in Los Angeles or you're in another part of the country, um, would would the services be the same that the school district would have some form, whether it's an IEP or whatever it might be? Do the school district right. work in conjunction with the parent and the child wherever you live? Yeah, okay. So IEP is pretty much the same, but regional centers, the way the state, each state delivers services is different for every state. Regional center as we know it here in California, will look different in another state. So let me just share with you that California, New York, Texas, they have some of the best services for special autism, you know, developmental disabled individuals. I've had parents come here from Virginia, Idaho, um, Nevada, because some of the states provide services through lottery. So you're not guaranteed when you walk in that through the door of like the regional center, you walk through the door, you're going to get some services here in California. And some of the other states, it's by lottery. And some people are on these lists for years. Oh. So it's pretty sad. So we're, we're very That's- lucky in California. That's really sad. I didn't. I was not aware of that. And <clears throat> I want oh, yeah. to clarify one other thing about what you said about the regional centers, and and how they're mm-hmm. different from the school the school district. And that is, um, does if there are costs involved in this, do does insurance do kick in, or is that the business? Pardon me. The regional center is is state money. So it's free. All services are free oh, through the free. regional center. Yeah, state money. Great. And every regional center is given a budget to use 
for those services. There are case managers that that you meet with with you and your child or you and discuss what is called the IPP in the regional center world. Like the IEP, the IPP is a is a plan for your child and their progress and what services you need to be provided through the regional center. And do you ever age out of the regional center? No, you have it for life. Once you're diagnosed in California, once you're diagnosed before the age of 18, you can receive uh, regional center services until through throughout your life, till your death. Yes. Yeah. I was just trying to visualize this in my mind, what this would be like, particularly not for that 12-year-old, but for this adult that you're just speaking about. Is uh, what I'm visualizing is how supportive that must be for for Brad to be with other people of his age at the regional center. Would, would I be right about that? Right. So they're different programs. So Brad graduates from high school, and when he graduated, he and my well, my husband retired the same year he graduated. So they went to West LA together, and. Since Brad had a one-on-one, so he needed some help to keep focused and to keep him on task. Anyway, they Brad he earned about forty-five units in um, at West LA, and with my husband's support, and they do all the all the junior all the universities have a disability um, department for support for students that have disabilities. So there's people that are available to take notes for them and, you know, other other supports. So my husband, he, he actually helped Brad. And then after a few years, then I went back to the regional center and asked for some support so they they're called day programs or work programs and they offer different things the the work program he's in right now I chose them because they have contracts with Petco TJ Maxx Marshalls and they bring groups of adults there to help fold clothes or take care of inventory that kind of thing and the whole point is in hopes of them hiring them and teaching them before and training them before they that's, actually, you know, you know, yeah. That's just so wonderful, Florence. And I'm just thinking about in, my, in our own little community of Mayberry here in Westchester. And I'm thinking right. about somebody in particular. And, and she um, did not have autism. She had downs. And when you right. when you observe a, a young person, old person, whomever, that has Down syndrome as a disability, they are visually recognizable to many of us. And those same companies mm-hmm. that you just, including Trader Joe's too, they they mm-hmm. absolutely bring in. Um, young adults with disabilities to be that box boy or to do that inventory with autism mm-hmm. it's not as obvious mm-hmm. is it right 
There are 50,000 adults who turn 18 years old every year who have autism. So right now, a lot of the state Congress people, they're passing bills to teach, especially in California, I can't speak for some of the other states, um, they're looking at passing bills to provide monies to teach employers about this disability. So we have a lot of, you know, a lot of information out there for them as well because we need some money to teach them. We need money for for training programs for our adults, for people to understand because a lot of our kids can work. They can work. So that with some support and some don't need any support. So it just it just depends. Because, it's like I said, individual. these numbers are growing. Yeah, it's growing. Mm-hmm. These numbers are growing. And then, uh, like I said, 50,000 uh, adults turn 18 years old every year. So they're looking for love. They're looking for housing. They're looking for for work. So it's, it's, it's going to change our whole society, really. And it's important that all of us learn about this disability because, it's important because you don't know you could your your daughter or your son could date someone that has autism. So mm-hmm. that your neighbors, just people in our society, just to know about it. Like you said, you can't always see it. Correct. So in mm-hmm. talking about your adult Brad, uh, mm-hmm. how does he how does he get along? with other people and has that changed has that been um a, a, a an arcing change from when he was say a child in elementary school and now he's in at high school and now he's out of school how 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 has his interaction with with other people how has that changed over time well like i mentioned early one of the areas that autism affects is is socialization. And Brad doesn't have any friends. Most most of them don't. So it's it's you just learn that that's the way life's going to be. And we've worked around it. So I have him in programs, you know, like he's in group lessons for Zumba and kickboxing and tap. Oh. And that's his socialization. Yeah. So he goes every week and the days he uh, he's not doing those three things, he walks the dog, and of course he has chores around the house. So we have just carved our little world over here. <laughs> and when he, I did want to mention, I just wanted to share, like when he went to Westchester, they have a program. Well, LA Unified has a program. That's our school district here. It's called Ability. Um, abilities and he worked at Savon's right there on Sepulveda and Manchester for eight weeks so they give them work experience and they pay them as seniors so that is some of the things some of the programs that the schools offer as well to get them prepared for the, the world of work also I just want to mention I mentioned Petco and Marshall's 
FedEx hires special needs people as well. So, and they're hiring right now. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. That's, wow, that is a gift for someone that's listening to our show that may find themselves right. in circumstances similar to yours and Brad. Right. And, I mean, FedEx, just like the other stores that you mentioned, they are nationwide. A Toys R Us, before it closed, it definitely was a very much of a supporter of that as well, of helping students. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that the high school actually worked with some, in, in the case that you just described, our local chain that, you know, Savon's is no longer Savon's any longer, but it was then. And that's, that's yeah, really, sorry. that must be. Well, yeah, you know, but it, you're right. Well, because you've just gone back because CBS used to be saved right. on back in the day when when we right. were younger. Right, right. But um, that's 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 really that must feel so hopeful. I'm not trying to put words into your mouth, but I'm just trying to envision myself in your shoes and thinking this is so wonderful for him to be out, especially when you mention that he doesn't have a lot of socializing. Now, when he goes to his Zumba or his tap class, and what was the third thing? So it was Zumba, it was tap. Kickboxing. And you mentioned three. Kickboxing. Oh, kickboxing, right. Mm-hmm. Um, all very physical, which is very interesting, kind of almost related. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's some rhythm required to do both Zumba and tap, and really there's right. probably some rhythm required to do some kickboxing. How does he interact in those circumstances, does he talk to anybody else in, in any of those classes? Or right. Does he just I mean, he doesn't, it doesn't take, you know, he, he doesn't need much interaction. I mean, for him to say, hello, how are you, that's enough. That's enough. Okay. Just for him to be there with the group. He, he doesn't he does require a lot of um, interaction to feel satisfied. But he's happy that's, that's, to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's wonderful. So, in talking a little bit, because I do want to, I do want to spend some time talking about your book. So, um, mm-hmm. maybe we could go over to your book right now, and maybe we can come back to Brad in a minute because I think your book mm-hmm. is so important, and I would like people to know that are listening. Florence has a beautiful uh, website, and I want to spell your name so that people that are listening that may want to go back. And look at your website. It is, it's your name. It's Florence, and that's spelled F-L-O-R-E-N-C-E. And your last name is Bracy, and that's spelled B-R-A-C-Y dot com. So it's just the www.florencebracy.com. There's a lot of very, very important information on your website, and I thought maybe we could spend some time now talking about your book because I think it's so vitally important. And I I mentioned at the top of the hour, the name of the book is called Help Me Understand My Child, A Mother's Truth About Autism. So Florence, why did you decide to write this, this first book? Well, let me tell you, it wasn't meant to be a book. It was my journal. I wrote for 12 years. And it was a release for me. It was cathartic when I write. And I was taught as a child to write when you're happy and to write when you're sad. So this was my journal about living with autism and my experience just daily living and 
navigating, interfacing with the school district and the regional centers to get what I needed. And I looked at it when I finished, Brad was in high school, and I shared it with a friend, a family friend, and he says, you need to make this into a book. I said, oh, no no one's interested in this. This is just for me. He says, no, you have good information in here, and people need to hear. So I sat on it for a couple years, and I can't remember what was the defining moment that made me say, okay, it's time, but it just I was just moved to just work on it. And I hired an editor, a couple editors, and we worked on it. And it came out about a year ago on well, congratulations. Amazon. Thank you. So, yeah, I've been very you know, busy. I speak at different events and different organizations. It's and it's K through twelve. The book is it covers years K through twelve, and I have resources in the back for anything as it relates to autism. And it's just not my story; it's all our stories. It also has a section in the book that um, shares my husband's perspective and my daughter's perspective living with autism. So I've gotten really good feedback, and people have responded really well to the book. That's wonderful. And for those of you listening, you know, if if you're listening to this show, you probably have a computer. And uh, the way that people can purchase your book is just, you know, they can go to Amazon. They can also read the reviews, which are really, really great reviews. And people can easily purchase that book um, on Amazon. And you just, if you start typing, help me understand my child, uh, you will come across um, Florence's his book. So now that... Um, Brad's an adult. Right. How does an adult with autism, you would know best from any of us, differ from the child with autism? How is that different? They have different needs. And like I said, their diff- their interests are different. I mean, earlier we were talking about friends, and I do a whole presentation about love and autism. It, it it's it's different. I mean, because now we know where his strengths are, and he's had years of therapy. And your child, you know what what um, interests your child and what um, might upset them. So you know now, as 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 they are adults. And they're just like any other adult. They're looking for love. They're looking for housing. They're looking for, you know, uh, work. And right now there's different ways that people house, you know. I have one parent who bought a duplex where she and her husband lives. Her her son is low-functioning, and he needs a, a caregiver, and the caregiver and the adult child, her son, lives in the other unit where her hus- she and her husband live in the other unit. I have some parents that have sent their kids away. They're adults, but they need a lot of supervision. 
some actually live on their own with an in-home support person, maybe someone help them come in and cook at night. They might go to a day program, might go to a job, but that person comes and helps them cook or do things around the house that needs to be done or help them with their money. And these are services provided by the regional center. So it looks different for everybody. You know, my hope and my dream is that Brad could live alone at some point, but we'll see. Maybe with some right. support. Well, yeah. Speaking of support, so and I, 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 I'm sure that's true because each 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 person um, brings their own person to this to this disability. But I, you mentioned support, and I think that this would be a great time to talk a little bit more about the support groups because I would imagine that parents or grandparents or siblings, you know, um, mm-hmm. that that there's that there's a need for support groups, and and you and you personally run support groups, is that correct? Right, I have a support group. We meet the second. Monday of every month from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. I'm sorry, 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. And the address is uh, 4305 Degnan, D-E-G-N-A-N Boulevard, number 105, Los Angeles, California. And my um my website is like she said www.florencebracy.com so if you're interested just subscribe and leave a question and then I'll get that information leave your email address and I can send you the flyer at those meetings I I bring presenters that talk about different subjects we've had um speakers talk about social security abuse as it relates to the developmental disabled, I've had psychologists come and talk about just self-care for the parents and how we, and I'm interested in that a lot because as parents, we endure not, in, I, I would think more than most parents. I mean, all parents endure a lot, but as a parent of a special needs child, we're always thinking about their safety and their needs. But I've had yoga instructors come and speak, marriage family therapists, different regional centers come and talk about the different programs they have. So we have an array. I've had the law enforcement come and talk about how they work with the developmental disabled and what our children should do to secure safety um, for themselves. So every every month I have a speaker, and then we speak amongst ourselves, you know, and we share different resources because different age groups have different needs. I've had a woman that teaches music uh, to the special needs population. She teaches the piano and she teaches music theory. So it varies. That that's really wonderful, and I know you and I spoke off the air about um, somebody that we both know, which is um, Elaine Hall, 
and she mm-hmm. also works with with young autistic of all of all on the spectrum that are, are into performance where they like to sing mm-hmm. or dance and it's called the miracle project right. but what right. i wanted to know specifically about what you do if someone is listening to this in another part of the state the country wherever and they would like to be a part of what it is you're doing is is there a newsletter is there something that someone could get from you right. personally you can, through your group mm-hmm. what i do in addition to the support group is i'm connected with a lot of resources a lot of uh, research projects that are going on with UCLA with the mine institute with the uh, university of pennsylvania so I send out information about that, about um, stem cell research. So if you're on my mailing list, you get all that information. Some of it's local, some of it's national. So oh, if you're beautiful. interested, please subscribe. Please subscribe on my website, and I'll get that information. I send it out about twice a month. In addition, That's I wanted terrific. to share with you, please. Mm-hmm. We're having a sibling day here in L.A., and that's where we actually have a work, uh, a, a day for the siblings of special needs and the parent. So what we were finding is that some of the siblings felt neglected uh, because the parent was, you know, it was uh, directing all their attention or a lot of their attention to the special needs child. So we're planning a day, it's called Sibling Day, uh, My Kid Rocks. And it's going to be oh. Friday, July 26th from 10 to 1230. And if you connect with me on my website, then I can get that information to you. But it's definitely happening. It's in collaboration with UCLA and some other nonprofits and myself. Wait, I've... So well, that's, I was thinking, yeah. I'm, that's really exciting, and you've made this very easy. So for those of you that are listening, you can just simply go to FlorenceBracy.com and go to the contact page where you can put your name, your email. You can even write a, a message, and you can subscribe now and submit this. And regardless of where you live, maybe you do live close by, and, and sibling days just sounds like, about the most perfect thing you could ever imagine and how lovely to be able to be involved in that and, and get some support also. And, and I, you're connected so beautifully between the, the universities. I mean, we have a university right here in our backyard at Loyola Marymount and the churches mm-hmm. and the regional centers. It, it's, re- mm-hmm. it's really, really well done. And, and, because because you have such experience, you're not just talking as an academic. You're talking from the position of a of a loving mother and wife, and uh, you you bring so much credibility. I guess is how I'm trying to say this to what it is that you do. Because because you're living it, you're not just talking about it. Do you um, are you going to write another book? Do you, do you think you'll write another book? Yes. Right. Well, really? the Spanish version of my book will be coming out in September, October 
um, time frame. I have it in my hands. It just needs to be laid out. So I'm very excited about that because I've had so many parents come up to me asking me if I had the Spanish version. Also, I'm writing a book about adults with autism. So I'm very um, much looking forward to that and talking about the different aspects of adulting, adulting like the kids say. <laughs> So, oh, yeah, that's so funny. that's coming out as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brad so that's it's, it's a very interesting. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, no, go ahead. I was just curious. I, I'm, I, I'm thinking about Brad. Someday maybe I'll, we'll meet each other. Does he know that you've written a book about him? Is he aware of that? Oh, my goodness, yes. He actually... One of his skills is that he types very fast. So my journal was all handwritten. So he actually typed it for me and put it on the computer so I could work with it. And that took us about two weeks. Yeah, it took us about two weeks and... We worked on it. He worked on it like two hours a day, two to three hours a night once he came home. And that was huge because then I could move paragraphs around and, you know, do things with it and present it to my editors. So, yeah, it was, yeah, he knows. He remembers things in the book. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That happened. (laughs) Oh my yeah. gosh. So how long did you did I did I understand you to say that you journaled for twelve years? Yep. Yep. Twelve K years. through twelve. Yep. So you journaled. And it for wasn't 12 like years. I said it was the Yeah. Wow. And the I, intention I just, wasn't I, to be a book. It wasn't to be that wasn't the end result. That wasn't my focus. It was just like yeah. I need to write this down. This is too crazy or this is like I, I'm so frustrated with this right now I need to write about it and to to just release some of that stress and then he sat down with his skills and obviously mm-hmm. you must write clearly enough that he could type it and in mm-hmm. two weeks he was able to get that out did he question you like mom that isn't how that happened did he did he decipher no, it? Was no, he was just, just typing. typing. No, no, he was just typing. He was just typing. Yeah. Interesting. It, so he so was a big part you know, of it. What I, you know, Florence, that's just so cool because that really, it it is a mother's truth about autism, but this was a collaboration. And I mean, that's... Right. That's really, uh, that was an unexpected response. I, I'm really just so, blo- that's why when I ask, when I ask my guests to submit my questions, just, I'm just going to be straightforward for those of you that are listening. I like my guests to help me direct these, these questions so that I'm sure that I can get their stories told, but I never, I never know the responses. And you know, sometimes I feel like I might have some idea. I mean, I've read your website and things like that. But to to appreciate what that must have been like 
to have him type what you wrote. I I just that is just mind-boggling to me. I'm just so that just makes me want to jump in my seat. That's just really that's just tremendous. Uh is is there anything in the time that we have remaining? Is there a story you'd like to share? Is there anything that you would like our audience to know about this journey that you have been on since Brad was eight years old and probably mm-hmm. prior to that? I just want to leave a few nuggets with with our listeners here is that don't give up. Our children do get better. And my book is a book of hope and that this world you have to be persistent. And when you hear something twice, do it. Because God is directing this whole thing. And our children, I think, are very special. And with your support, I know sometimes it gets very frustrating for those of us who have um, special needs children that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there's a lot of support out here. So don't feel like you can do this by yourself. There's money out here. It's called respite money where you can hire people. This is through the regional center to support you. There's in-home support money through the state to get someone to help you teach them how to do household chores. There's, there's money out here. There's things out here. There's programs out here, and they're putting more money into it. There's um, the book itself is not just for parents. It's for providers and, and anyone else that's interested in the human spirit, because this is a human. This is a human story, and it's this is what we're living with in today's world. This autism, it's 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 so pervasive and it's a pandemic and it's not just here in the United States, it's all over the world. It's one percent of our world's population. Mm. And I, I just want you to know out there that there's hope and they do get better, so don't give up. Just hang in there and get for for parents, get some help to relieve you because you can't do this by yourself. You know, if there's a if there's a family member or a friend that will help relieve you so you can go get your nails done or spend some time with your girlfriend or for the dads to hang out with their family or friends, don't feel hesitant about going out there and getting some some me time because you need it. Those are wow. my little nuggets. They are nuggets. And I'm telling you, I've taken notes. Uh, I think what you said about me time, just that you just said just then, is because you do have to replenish. You can't just, what are you, can't pour from an empty vessel, right? You have to be able mm-hmm. to be able to take care of yourself. And I would just say that one of the other terms that I would use around you, Florence, is you are an advocate. And 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 while people may be listening in this Los Angeles area or somewhere else, you have provided you have provided hope. You have provided a book. 
you have let people know that they that they shouldn't give up and that they that that these children they do get better and i think that that is what's so valuable and so important about your message today just i am so glad that Barry said marcia you've got to meet this lady and we have some mutual friends and we have some you and I, as we've discovered, we have some mutual interests. We're both Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. We both have a mutual friend that I knew from the YMCA when I was working there that's a friend of yours. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of connection. That's the beauty right. of humanity and, and mm-hmm. being in touch with people that may be able to help. And perhaps someone's listening that says, you know what? I don't have an autistic member of my family, but I'd like to do something to help. And they can right. reach out to you as well. So I'm just I'm really delighted amazing. that you've been able to share your expertise with with the listeners today because truly you you have an enormous passion for what you do. It, it comes across so clearly. And I'm just, I'm grateful that you spent this this time with me today, Florence. Really, truly, just it's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank I, you for having me. And if yeah, it's it's been wonderful. And for those of you that follow my podcast week in and week out, I just want to share very quickly before we say goodbye what's going to be happening next week. So next week, I'm actually having a return guest from the Society of St. Vincent de Paul here in Los Angeles, Ray Sweet and Ray Lopez, who wasn't with me last time. We're going to be joining me next week. We're going to be talking about what they are doing at St. Vincent de Paul, and we're also going to be talking about their reopened Circle V Ranch Camp and Retreat Center that was basically destroyed during the Whittier Fire uh, it, the camp closed in 2017, and they are so excited because they are reopening in the month of June. And those children now are going to have a camp experience thanks to, to, the, um, to the persistence and, and goodwill for the uh, uh, St. Vincent de Paul Society. So they'll be my guests next week, Ray and Ray. But for this week, I just want to say thank you to all of you that listen. Thank you, Florence, for joining me. Uh, it's a privilege to do this every week. I wish you a wonderful week in whatever it is you're doing, and I look forward to having you join me again next week on my Born to Talk radio show. Bye for now, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.